It's good to be back with family again. Hello. Um, these guys were already my family, but now you're all my family. You're like my Melbourne family now. It's just expanded. Amen. Um, and uh, you've got a Queensland family now, which is very exciting because everybody wants somewhere free to stay. And so uh, Queensland's beautiful. Um, but it's good to be back in Melbourne with family. Um, for those who haven't met me before, because I know some of you met me last year, but if you haven't met me before, hi, my name's Bill. Um, I send greetings from my beautiful wife, Krista, and my two boys. They're going to be up here next month. As I said, I'd be away for all driving in January. Tick, done that. And then I come back in February, I'm here, and then I'm going to bring my beautiful wife and our two boys. So if you've got kids in kids' church, they'll probably meet my two boys, and they'll probably hang out and become mates and all that kind of stuff. But it's good to be back with family. If you love being with family, give us an amen. Who's ready for God to do something? Yeah. I just think cool things happen when we're in the family of God and we hang out together, amen? Yes. I know some of you are like, you know, what's going to go? How's this all going to work? You know, you've got a whole lot of questions and, and I get all that. But here's the thing. I just believe that families are stronger when they're together, amen? Yeah. The size of the family adds to the strength because you spread the load. How many know that when you've got to clean the house on your own, it's one thing, but when the whole family gets involved, it's a lot faster, right? Yeah. You can get a lot more accomplished when you're together as a family. And all that's happened is your family's just expanded. You've just got married in, you've got a whole bunch of Queensland cousins now, and they've got a whole bunch of <laughs> Melbourne cousins. All of the business guys in my church that have offices in Melbourne, they're like, oh, now I'm in Melbourne, I know where I go to go to church. I'm like, yes, because if you don't, you're not attending Shiloh, I'll be calling you saying, where were you that weekend? I heard you weren't there. And uh, same, if you're up on holidays, hey, you can't take a holiday from church, you can swim on Saturday in Surface Paradise, and then you can come and hang out with us on a Sunday, and we will encounter God together. And so here's what I'm thinking. So typically what happens is when I get brought in as a guest preacher, because I preached here before, but I preached as a guest. You know, you, you bring your best guest preaching message and you wear your best shirt and you do your absolute best to have everybody think that they'll like you because you're super polished and whatever, which is very intimidating when you're preaching in this pulpit because how many know you have some of the greatest preachers in Australia here? And I was extremely nervous last time I was preaching. I don't even know if that said that sense. Um, but I'm not going to do that tonight. Because I'm with family, I just think, how about I just let my guard down and I'll just preach from my heart and we'll just see what God does. Amen? Because uh, we're family. We're family, right? And so we're just going to do family tonight. If you're here for the first time and you're like, what's going on? You just gatecrashed the family party and we're so happy to have you. There's always room for one more, right? There's another piece of chicken. We can put up some more fries. There's plenty more rice we can put in the cooker and we're going to encounter God together. Amen? Now, big... Uh, Big happy Chinese New Year to everybody that celebrated that over the last week. Um, pretty exciting stuff. I just think, you know, all over the world, I was looking at all the family celebrations for the Chinese New Year, and there was some fireworks going off, which is really, really cool. Not in Australia, because you're not allowed to do that. You've got to play it on your phone. But in other parts of the country, where my uh, other parts of the planet where my wife is from, in Mauritius, there's heaps of fireworks. All the Malaysians in the house make some noise. So that was a bit quiet. They were like, yep, yep, yep. You can't be half pregnant, you know, you've got to be all in. Um, and I just think, you know, when the family of God gather in the house of God, right, to serve our Lord and living Saviour, I think the Holy Ghost can bring some fireworks into the place, amen. So I don't know about you, I think let's just encounter God together. I'm going to pray that God speaks to me, which is a funny thing to say, but I need God as much as anybody else. I've got two kids, they've just gone up a year level in school, they're in brand new classes, they're making brand new friends, they need Jesus. You know, how many know that we need Jesus? Come on, if you want a little touch of God tonight, oh, my hand's raised, I don't care if I'm the only one, 
I'm with family. I'll be honest. I'll let my guard down and say, oh, I need God this year. I need God to do some things this year. I've got some miracles that I need God to break through on this year. I've got some family members that are away from God this year, even in Melbourne, that I'm excited to see come back to Jesus. Jesus, I just pray for every single person with a hand raised from the front to the back, from the left to the right, Lord Jesus. I pray that your presence would fall in this meeting. And God, we pray for some Holy Ghost fireworks, whatever that could look like. Lord God, if we're here and we know who you are and we love who you are and we know when we draw close to you, something happens, or maybe we're here, Lord Jesus, because there was nothing on TV and we promised our mum, our sister, our brother, our cousin, our whatever, that we would go to church once this year. Lord God, I know that you can draw near to us regardless. Speak to us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. High five someone near you, make sure they're awake. That's it. Also letting them know that if they fall asleep, you might nudge them. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 14. Um, Joshua chapter 14 is, is amazing. And it, it's fascinating that uh, God's doing something really cool in this passage. But the reason I want to look at that and what I want to share about today is this. Usually in the final six months of the year, all through the year, but especially in the last six months of the year, I fast and I pray and I really seek God for what he's saying for us as a church. Uh, but as many of you will know, like, like late last year, we were talking, weren't we? Yeah, it's a bit like two people. You know, we're talking. There's some, some energy going on. It's like, okay, there's something here. And uh, and I really started to pray and fast and believe for you guys. And I know some of you are thinking, well, well, how could you do that? The reality is, even though you may not have met me before, I know who you are because I know who these guys are. And so I've been praying for you for the last 20 years. You've got to know that when you've had some challenges, I was standing in the background praying for you. And when you've had some successes, I want you to know I was celebrating with you. And so with great faith and expectation, I was praying for you in the latter half of last year. And I started to say to God, Lord, if you're going to speak to Shiloh, if you're going to speak to this church about its vision and its future, and it is going to include a family in Melbourne, the land of good coffee and good food, Please don't tell the Queenslanders I said that, but I'm very happy to come back and drink the coffee and eat the food. Our beaches are great. Our coffee and food is not. Anyway, don't tell them I said that. They'll kick me out of the state. But I started to pray and said to God, what would you actually have for us as a church, both in Queensland and Victoria? And God spoke to me out of this passage. And it absolutely lit a fire in my heart. And I started to dream of all the great things that God would do. And it's amazing, even as I started to apply some of the different things that transpired. So we're going to be reading Joshua chapter 14, and we're going to be reading from verse 6. But let me give you the backdrop. It's a conversation between two old mates, Caleb and Joshua. They've been through a lot of life together, and they've seen a lot of things together. It's fascinating some of the stuff they've seen. Caleb... In many ways, his experience is so much like many of our experiences too. He grew up in Egypt. He grew up in bondage and slavery, and he had a dream of something better. Hey, we've all had an Egypt experience. We weren't hatched out of eggs. We had to live some life. We, we, we had to find Jesus for ourselves. I don't know about you, but I just think we all wanted that little bit of something extra. We wanted that little bit of something better. And then we find Jesus just like he found the breakthrough. He watched God pull down a pillar of fire, part the oceans, all that kind of stuff. He gets into the desert. It's interesting. The desert experience and what that's like. You know, the thing with Caleb is he gets into the desert. He's full of faith. He's just seen God do all these miracles. Moses gathers a whole bunch of people, a bunch of young guns, 10, 12 people, says, all right, we're going to do something good here. I'm going to send you into the land that God has promised us, and I want you to scout out the land. It's fascinating. They go out and they all see the same thing, but they all come back 
with a different report. Caleb is full of faith. He says, you can't get over how good this place is. This is absolutely amazing. Milk and honey. It's everything we've ever wanted and more. And yes, there are some giants. And yes, there are some walled cities. But you don't need to worry about that. Hey, if God could break us out of Egypt, this is going to be no trouble for God. Yet there's another group of people who've seen exactly the same thing and they have a completely different perspective on the matter. They see the same giants. They see the same challenges. They see the same issues and the same problems. Only what was a positive report now becomes a negative report. And so powerful is this negative report, it persuades the nation of Israel to plead with God not to go there. I could preach a whole sermon just on that. You know, when you're going through a season of change, and I know there's a lot of change, the temptation would be to fixate our eyes on all of the problems, all of the issues, all of the reasons why it's not going to work out. But you've got to remember, if God got you this far, he'll get you through those challenges and problems. Amen. If God got us to this point at Faith Life, then God can get us through the next 20 years. Amen. He's, he's, he's achieved bigger things and brighter things. He can do what's in our future, amen? The challenges that we've got as a church aren't going to be the things that define us, right? So I furious to look at the negative. I don't think God wants to do that either. But the people won't listen. And so God says, okay, I'll give you what you want. We won't go to the promised land. I'll wait till you're all passed away, and then the next generation will go in. Which is fascinating. Especially if you're a leader in some area of your life. Maybe in your family. Maybe in your friendship circles. Maybe in your workplace. Maybe even here at church. We often count the cost of leaving, but we don't count the cost of staying. It actually costs them more to stay than it was to go. Wow. But they didn't think about that. They just thought about the giants. They just thought about the walled cities. This year's going to have a lot of change. And sometimes we look at all the things, what, what if that happens? What if this happens? You've got to remember, sometimes it costs more to stay than it does actually cost to go and take the faith step. So Caleb and Joshua are faithful some of the only guys that make it through to the promised land. Caleb now is the leader of his tribe, tribe of Judah. Conquers a mountain. He's living in victory. He's on his 85th birthday. Instead of blowing out some candles, he gathers the guys and girls together and he goes and has a meeting with Joshua. And this is what he says. I'm going to read it from the message because I want you to capture the tone. The people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, spoke. You'll remember what God said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me at Kadesh Barnea. That's where they went out. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of God, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back an honest and accurate report. My companions who were with me discouraged the people, but I stuck to my guns. Totally with God, my God. That was the day that Moses solemnly promised, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, you and your children's forever. Yes, you've lived totally for God. Now look at me. God has kept me alive as he promised. And it is now 45 years since God spoke this word to Moses, years in which Israel wandered in the wilderness. And I am here today, 85 years old, as strong as I was the day Moses sent me out, as strong as ever in battle, whether coming or going. So give me this hill country that God promised me. You yourself heard the report that the Anakim were there with their great fortress cities. If God goes with me, I'll drive them out, just as God said. Joshua blessed him. And gave Hebron, uh, Hebron to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron belongs to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, still today, because he gave himself totally to God, the God of Israel. So Caleb is this great man of God, right? He's wise, he's strong, he's courageous, 
he's integrous, and now that he's won some battles, he can also add blessed to that list, right? Hashtag blessed. And for all these years, he's actually lived out the first five books of the Bible. He got to watch them not just be written, but actually unfold in front of his very eyes, right? He's entered the promised land. He's achieved a great deal. He's established himself now in the community as a hero. Now, I would not have blamed him if he said, on my 85th birthday, I'm going to build a pool, I'm going to pour myself a non-alcoholic pina colada, I'm going to sit on a banana lounge that I've imported from Queensland, and I'm just going to live out the rest of my days and enjoy the fruit of my sacrifice and the fruit of my labour. He's had 45 years in the wilderness. He has gone toe-to-toe with giants. He has wrestled all kinds of problems, both spiritual and natural. He has navigated leadership transitions. He has lived a nomadic life. And yet, on his 85th birthday, he asks for a new mission. Because Caleb understood something that I think we often forget in life. If you're taking notes, number one, say number one if you're listening. There is always another mountain. There is always another mountain. You know, our world is always telling us to stop and settle. Just have everything in balance. Just have everything in check. Oh, Pastor Phil, I watched a documentary the other day all about work-life balance. We've just got to keep it all in check. And I think that balance is important. Believe you me, I think that that's biblical. I think rest is important. But here's the thing. That's not the same thing as stopping and settling. And the world would love the church to stop and settle. The world would love us to stop and settle. But here's the thing. I can't speak for you. But as for me and my house, let me tell you when I plan on stop and settling, when I get to heaven. And I don't know if you've realized it. I don't know if you've ever been on the Westgate in peak hour. We are not in heaven yet. Give us a wave if you know what I'm talking about. Come on, anyone that's driven in peak hour, give us a wave. Don't you love it when there's peak hour and road works? Oh, doesn't that bring you closer to Jesus, right? And you know I'm heaven bound, but I'm not there yet. Which means there's always another mountain. This church has been going for 20 years. That's amazing. Give us a wave if you've been here more than five years. Give us a wave if you've been here more than 10 years. 15. Any OGs, any 20 years. Oh man, that is so awesome. Honestly, thank you for your faithfulness. I mean, give yourselves a hand. 5, 10, 15, 20. 20 years. That's pretty good. That's old enough to drive. (laughs) On the Monash. Well, it's not really driving. It's more like sitting, listening to the radio. Um, Or Spotify, whatever you've got. And you know, you've carved out a great community. Bigger than most of the churches in the area. You've survived longer than people say most churches would survive. You've achieved some great things. You've conquered some giants. You have. I mean, come on, some of you guys have been around a while. Think about it. Think of some of the obstacles you've faced. You've overcome them, right? You've had some success. I'm not denying that. I'm impressed by that. And you've settled in nicely. And I think, I wouldn't blame you if you just said, we're going to order a pool from Queensland we're going to put it, we're not going to put it there because there's snakes there. Maybe we'll put it on that side over there. We're going to order special Shiloh branded banana lounges. We're going to have non-alcoholic pina coladas. And we're just going to float around. And we're just going to talk about the good old days. We're going to talk about, do you remember when there was that obstacle? Do you remember when there was that challenge? Do you remember when we beat that thing? Do you remember when that thing was, was happening? 
We could talk about the ups and downs, the wins and the losses. We could talk about all of that. We could just focus on ourselves for a season because we've worked hard. And I would get that because that would be nice. Dare I say that even feel a little bit like heaven. But here's the thing. We're not in heaven. We're on earth. And yes, we're all heaven bound, but we're not there yet. I don't know about you, but I've got friends and family that need Jesus. They need him. There's, there's people in our community, even as we were driving past, they need Jesus. Someone's got to tell them, right? There are people that are sick that need his healing. There are people that are under the thumb of the devil and they need deliverance. There are people that need a prophetic word that will break open some things in their life. There are families that need to be restored. There are marriages that need to be restored. There's, there's a kingdom of darkness that needs to be pushed back and a kingdom of light that needs to be established in this community. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. And so while I get the desire to use those Shiloh branded banana lounges and drink our non-alcoholic pina coladas, here's the thing. For our community, there's always another mountain. Your friends and my friends that I'm praying for need Jesus. And so while I get the desire to just say, the next 20 years is going to be the year of rest. I just think we've got to push forward and find another gear. If you believe it, say amen. amen. We've pioneered before. We've had victories before. We've had success before. We've seen God move before. But you know, for you guys, not just Queensland, for you guys specifically, when I fasted and prayed last year, I felt like the Lord said, yes, you've done all that, but it's time to pioneer again. It's time to dig again. It's time to fight again. It's time to go after it again. Why? Because there's people in our community that need Jesus. There's people in your family that need Jesus. There's people in my family here in Melbourne that need Jesus, right? There's communities that need good churches. And yes, I want to get to heaven and relax, but we're not there yet. I am. Um, who loves sport? Give us a wave if you like sport. All the soccer fans, give us a wave. All the basketball fans, give us a wave. All the AFL fans, give us a wave. All the tennis fans, give us a wave. All the people who hate sport, give us a wave. <laughs> I love sport. Love it. Love basketball. We'll talk after. Who do you go for? Mavericks. Mavericks. Nice. Well, Luke is good. Yeah, I feel it. Sorry, we're just having an offline conversation. <laughs> Don't mind us. Also love the NFL. I had the Super Bowl last week. It was fascinating watching the Super Bowl. Because this one team's winning most of the game, right? And uh, it's looking pretty good. And the other team catches up. And they've got the same score and the game ends. So when that happens, they go into overtime. They give them a few more minutes to play it out. But see, the team that was winning most of the game, the team that many would argue should have actually won, because they were the better team, they got tired. And so they go back into overtime, and they still are playing, but they just hold back a smidgen and the other team who had been losing most of the match dug in and found another gear in their energy and pushed through and in the last few seconds pulled out an upset win. I just think what could happen in this area if there was a church who could find another gear, if there was a church who could say, we're not happy going through the motions. If there was a church 
who said there's actually more. We can break ground that other people haven't broken in our personal lives, in our businesses, marriages, and yes, even for us as a church. I just started to think about that. I started to think about my family and your family, and I started to believe, you know what? As great as celebrating is, there's always another mountain. So, what does that mean for us as a church? Well, I think there's a few things. The first thing is, Saturday nights are cool. I love Saturday nights. But I want to get back to church on a Sunday. Can't you say that? We're family, right? I'm just going to spill a whole bunch of secrets here because we're family, right? Because family find out first, right? Everyone knows what you really like by talking to your family, okay? So, I just love Sunday church. I do. I like Saturday night church. Wednesday night church is cool. Happy to preach on a Friday night. I just like church on a Sunday. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I am convinced that's a mountain we need to take. We need to figure it out. Now, I will work my guts out, and I have been. Ask these guys. I literally contact them about it almost every single day, and they have been working tirelessly through it, and our entire team in Queensland has been working on it. Our intercessors are praying about it. And I'm, I'm believing that if you pray too, the Bible says if two or more agree, right? that we will get back to Sundays. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't care, frankly. I will meet under a carport, a tree, a giant doghouse, but we are going to find somewhere and we are going to get back to Sundays. Cool? All right. Oh, well, that's good. I wasn't sure what's going to happen, Pastor Ted. I thought, they they might throw oranges. I don't know. So we're off to a good start. I set a faith goal. I want it to happen in the next month or so. I, I, I don't have anything lined up, but I'm just telling you in faith. That's my personal goal. So maybe you can fast and pray with me that we can break this bondage over our city and get back to a Sunday. Next thing. Um, we've talked about this before, but name change. So we go from Faith Life to Shiloh. Now, some people are going to say, what does that mean? What does that actually mean? Let me tell you. Practically speaking, nothing. I remember when I just came back from my honeymoon. I've been married 15 plus years now. I love my wife. She's the greatest person I think in the whole world. Uh, Anyone that can put up with me for 15 years is the greatest person in the whole world. Um, And I remember when she came back and she filled out all the paperwork to change her driver's license and her passport, all that name change stuff. Can I give you some weight if you know what I'm talking about? And I remember when it came through. Do you want to change at home? Nothing. I was washing the dishes the night before. She informed me I was still washing the dishes the night after. I took the rubbish out yesterday. She informed me. She might be Krista Kennedy right now. This doesn't matter. I still got to take the rubbish out. Internally, in our house, nothing changed. Externally, things changed. So what does it actually mean for you? If you call Faith Life home, nothing. If you're on kids before, you're on kids after. If you do sound before, you do sound after. If you do worship before, you do worship after. Nothing changes. But let me tell you what changes is the external stuff. Because what a name change does is it piques curiosity. And curiosity is a very powerful thing. You know, since we made the announcement that we're doing Shiloh Melbourne, all these people have popped out of the blue. Hey, Addis to your mailing Hey, we want to come to the launch service. Hey, we want to check this out. Some very, very interesting people influential people in our city and beyond who just a bit curious. 
Have you ever done anything because you're a bit curious? Ever had a conversation with someone because you're a bit curious? Can I just speak frankly? This is like, because I'm with family, right? This is not what a senior pastor should say. I don't care about the name. I don't care about the logo on the door. It doesn't make any difference to me. The name that I care about is the name of Jesus. The thing that I want to lift up is the name of Jesus. The thing that I want to exalt is the name of Jesus. But I will use, within reason, anything to get people interested in the name of Jesus. So what changes for us as a family? Nothing. But it will spark some conversations that I believe will draw people to the name of Jesus. We've already had some unsaved people who walked away from God in the pandemic, just got a little bit busy in life, feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit and say, I don't know why I need to do this. I just feel I need to reach out. Can you put me on the mailing list? I want to come to the launch thing. I, want to, I feel like I need to get reconnected to church. That's what's important to me. That's what lights my fire. Not logos. I don't care about any of that. Next thing. Wants to know something else. Do you want to, anyone want to hear more secrets? Give us a wave. You want to hear more? Who likes to hear stuff first? Who likes to hear stuff last? Okay, someone's like, oh, yeah, I don't really care. Well, I like to hear stuff first. I like to hear it before everybody else, right? I want to hear the gospel before everybody else, not the last person. Don't want to hear when it's on Facebook. I want to hear before. I'll tell you now. Next thing. So, I felt, and I cannot shake it. I cannot shake it. I just felt like in this season, not just this year and beyond, I think this church is going to experience some significant growth. I felt it. Man, I felt it. I don't always say that. Particularly, we're in a family meeting right now, and I'm telling you, I like, put myself out there. But I felt it. I felt it. Now, church is a funny place. Who thinks church is a bit funny sometimes? Three people. And there's a lot of people laughing. They're like, yeah, yeah I'm not raising my hand, but we know Because what we do in church is not what we do in any other part of our lives. Normally in life, when you know that something big is coming that you have to make room for, you make room for it ahead of time. But usually in church, we do the opposite. So like in church, we wait till there's a lot of people and then we're like, oh my gosh, we need another pastor to help us out. To pray for people, to visit people, to do stuff. We need another pastor. After it's already grown. But we don't do that in our personal life. I see this beautiful baby over here. I'm pretty sure that you probably didn't prepare the baby's room while labour was happening. I think you probably thought, we need to prepare the baby's room ahead of time. That'd be smart, because you're a smart guy, right? You guys are a smart couple. You would do that. Who knows what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't say to Krista, you're doing great, babe. I've just been thinking, we probably need a room for the baby. I'll go home and I'll get it ready. Hey, I'll go to Bunnings, I'll buy some paint, and then I'll, I'll buy a roller, and I'll give it my best shot. Trust me, I'm good with colours. I didn't say that because I'm afraid for my life. That's the re- No, no. But, you know, you go ahead of time. You prepare ahead of time. No one just says, let's get married right now. Let's just go right now. Have you got a dress? Who cares? Let's get married right now. In fact, I remember even when Krista and I were engaged, she started buying frying pans and all kinds of stuff. She's like, I'm preparing my kitchen. Because she knew she was getting married, right? She knew the change was coming. Even in your job, when you know you're going to get a promotion, right, you begin to prepare for what it's going to be like. So I thought, seeing as we do this in every other part of our lives, why don't we do it here? So, I've had a conversation on my Melbourne family's behalf. So I was talking to last year, I think he actually preached for you a, a month or two ago or something like that, um, Pastor Ollie Upton and his wife Amanda, about moving up 
to Queensland. We've got family that live up there. Queensland's beautiful. We've got palm trees. We've got coconuts. We've got bananas. We've got pineapples. We've got bad coffee. We've got all the things that some people want. And I said, come, come to Queensland. And then I thought, he already lives in Melbourne. He already knows Melbourne. He's already in Melbourne. Come to Queensland. Then I had an idea. Anyone ever had a good idea before? No one. Oh my <laughs> word. Oh my word. We'll, we'll, do an, we'll do an altar call for ideas later. I just, I think it's a good idea. I started to think about, in the corporate world, people will have an office in different cities, won't they? I've got a Melbourne office, I've got a KL office. I've got a Sydney office, I've got a Tokyo office. I've got a Melbourne office, I've got a Brisbane office. I thought, what about if I spoke to Pastor Ollie and Amanda about floating backwards and forwards? Do a few weeks in Queensland, do a few weeks here, and they can act as support to your amazing pastors. Now, I needed them for some connect group stuff in Queensland, which they're still going to do. But I said to them, look, you'll do Connect Group. But if there's the need, as we start to grow, could you do some other things too? Could you visit some people? Could you pray for some people? Could you preach? Could you invest in some other areas? And they said yes. So here's what's going to happen. They are going to be moving to this area and they're going to be going to Queensland. So they're probably going to be jet lagged sometimes when you see them. But that's fine. That's what coffee's for. And the coffee's good in Melbourne. In Queensland, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to pray for them or something. But they're going to be around a lot more. They're going to be here to support you and help you. And if you need something, you ask them. And if they say no, you call me, all right? <laughs> cool announcement. You want, two, you want one or two more? Or you want me to stop? Yeah, go. Come on, give us a wave if you want one or two more. Yeah, that's good. Oh, people are excited. This is, this is the best response I've got so far to my preaching. <laughs> we'll talk about Jesus again soon. Um, so, I met a whole bunch of you last year, which was amazing. You're all very lovely people. Did my best to scare you off. It didn't work. Now we're here. Um, anyway, so I met you, and, and I just said to you, hey, if you could, if you could ask them for anything, what would it be? Because I want to hear your heart, right? Because family, we just talk, right? When my kids want something. My kids ask. Do your kids ask? I want a Nintendo Switch. I want McDonald's. I want to stay up late. I want to stay up later. Honey, you're falling asleep. I want to stay up later. Well, we've got to go to bed. They don't always get what they want, but they ask. So I said, well, what is it, what is it you guys want? One of the things that you guys asked about a lot, I heard, I heard it every time we caught up with people, come up all the time. Hey, Pastor Fred, could you send some support and some assistance and some help in the area of youth and kids? Could you do some training? Could you do some Zoom calls? Could you do all of that sort of stuff? And so I went away and I prayed about that spoke to these guys about it, and I just felt like the Lord said, we've just got to do one better. We've got to um, bring in some kind of gun for youth and kids. Because I just think that there is an opportunity to reach a brand new generation out in this area. Amen? Kids and teenagers who can just fall in love with Jesus, get full of the fire of the Holy Ghost, just go after stuff. I just, I started to dream about that and pray about it. I thought, we need to get a gun. So, I won't say too much because I'm in conversation stage. But I'm having conversations with people across the country to try and find an ideal person 
and I'm fussy because you're family and I'm going to look after you because you're family. If my sister texts me and says, where's a good cafe? I don't send her the third best cafe in the area, right? She sends her the best. You guys are my family. You deserve the best. So I'm going to take a little while because I'm not rushing the decision. I'm not promising it's going to happen in two weeks or anything like that. But I do want you to know, I want you to pray with me too that we get the leading of the Holy Ghost on this. But I want to bring out an absolute gun for youth and kids in this church so that we can see the Holy Ghost just spark something in this area that changes a generation. Amen? Happy with that? Lucky last one, and then I'll actually get back to preaching the word because some of you are like, where's it? You know, I'll get there. I'll get there. Give me a minute. Hold on, I'll get there. Um, lots. Of, uh, this is like a capital one. This is like a you know. Would you like can, would you like works burger thing? Because if I go through every single one, we'll be here for three hours, and I want to eat. Because I heard the food's good here. Amen. Yeah. So I'll just give you one more. Uh, every team I spoke to said, "Could you send? Because you've got some world class people. Could you send some people? Could you give us some training? Could you give us some development?" And the answer to that is yes. Every single area. I've actually literally put line items in the budget to cover flights to get them all down here because they're Queenslanders, um, jumpers because they don't own any, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff, right? You know, don't take, do not take them on the Monash or the Westgate and peek out. They'll never come back. They'll be afraid. They've never seen that kind of traffic before because there's not that many people in Queensland. But we are gonna, we're going to send them down and they're going to be doing lots of different training days, development days. There's going to be coaching, discipleship, impartation. And I believe that every area of the church is going to go to a brand new level in this season. Right? I'm committed to that. Hallelujah. That stuff is good change. But you know what's not changing? The focus of this church is not going to change. We are still madly and desperately in love with Jesus Christ. We still believe that you can't get very far without the power of the Holy Spirit. We are committed to winning this region for Jesus Christ. We want to see his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We are still committed to winning your kids and your grandkids that are away from God to come back to God as he promises in his word. We're still believing that high schools will get turned over for Jesus Christ, that universities will get turned over, and God will do something good in this area. That hasn't changed, but there are some new mountains. That's church. That's us. What about you? What about in your personal life, in your business, in your marriage, with your kids? Where's your next mountain in 2024? Where's, where's the thing that the enemy is whispering, no, no, not that one, not that one. You just pull back. You just take back another 10%. Where's the area that God's calling you in? Is it in your health this year? Is it in relationships? Is it in your workplace? Is it in school? Is it in areas of friends? Whatever it is, I believe as great as rest is, there's always another mountain. My second and last point, because I'm getting hungry. Number two. Everyone say number two. A promise isn't dead just because it hasn't happened yet. A promise isn't dead just because it hasn't happened yet. Caleb was promised the land 45 years before. And I know that there are some promises that are given to this church in the 2000s. In fact, I wasn't at the launch day. I was ministering somewhere else a year, 20 years ago. But even this afternoon as I was praying, the Holy Spirit said there's things that were promised on launch day. There's things that were promised in the 2010s, and they haven't come to pass yet. But a promise isn't dead just because it hasn't happened yet. It probably looked like to all of Caleb's friends, he was crazy. Listen, mate, it's been 25 years. I think you better let that one go. 
but he stayed in there and he stuck to his guns and he stood firm on the promises of God. And sure enough, 45 years later, it happened. We see it in Caleb's life. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on those prophetic words. Don't give up on the promises of God. A promise isn't dead just because it hasn't happened yet. What has God told you over the years? What has God told your family? What has God spoken over your marriage? What has God said, that son or daughter that's away now? What did God say they were going to be when they grew up? Hey, they've still got a heartbeat. It isn't finished yet. I actually felt this, and we had a staff retreat where we brought Pastor Ted and Pastor Solway up with our Queensland guys, and we all prayed together. I said this in the meeting. I said, I felt in the Holy Ghost that this was going to be a season of unanswered prayers for the church. In fact, I actually felt the Holy Spirit said to me, he's going to answer promises you've even forgotten about. And he's going to do it and then remind you, you remember you prayed for that? You forgot, but I never forgot because our God is faithful, amen? I believe this is the season of unanswered prayers. But you know what sometimes happens in life is God gives us a promise and we add detail that God never added in there. Who knows what I'm talking about? The Lord says he's going to provide, and we think, yep, and he's going to do it like this, 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 and this. And so when it doesn't happen, we get disappointed, and we feel like God hasn't carried out his end of the bargain. But he's saying, hello, I never said all of that other stuff. You said all of that other stuff. I just said I would provide. You leave the provision to me. And I just feel like for Caleb, it would have looked crazy. He could have had an idea. It's going to be five years. It's going to be 10 years. It's going to be 20 years. But it was 45 years in God because God's timing is divine. And you know, at the time, it would have been very difficult for Caleb. But at the 110-year mark, when he finally passed away, and he sat down and he looked at all the blessing of the God, and he had decades and decades to experience, not single, but double blessing. I don't think Caleb was disappointed. I think Caleb knew the timing is right. And I feel like for this season, both individualistically and at corporate church, I think that God is going to answer some promises that you thought were dead, some stuff that you gave up on, because a promise isn't dead just because it hasn't happened yet. And you've got to notice something. It only happened for Caleb as he said, I will step out and pioneer again. You know, so often what happens is we say, oh, Pastor Phil, this is a great sermon. Oh, Pastor Phil, hey, thank you so much for preaching today. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to sit in my seat. I'm just going to chill out for 2024, and we'll just see what God does. But that's actually not how it works. When you step out, that's when you see the blessing of God. So if you aren't happy with the level of blessing you've got in 2024, then this is what you've got to do. You've got to step out. You've got to take a step of faith. Look at your life. You say, I need to be more blessed in that area. Take another step of faith. God honors steps of faith. This church is living proof of that. This was a dream in their heart. It didn't even exist. But they took a step of faith and we're all living in the blessing of it. What could happen in your marriage? What could happen in your business? What could happen in your personal life if you took a step of faith? Those dreams. Let me tell you. Well, you know, Phil, I don't know, mate. It's been a long time. 45 years and God still brought it to pass. Maybe you've been hanging on to a word for 20 years. Maybe you've been hanging on to a word for 30 years. Maybe you've been hanging on to a word for 50 years. I'm here to tell you a promise isn't dead just because it hasn't happened yet. Amen? I'll get keyboard up if I could. Just the keys. I'll let everyone have a rest. I believe this is the year for us to take ground here in Point Cook. I believe that this is the year for the influence of this church to expand significantly. In fact, in spheres that you've not seen before. I believe that this is the year for all of us, myself included, to pioneer again. Because there's more souls to win, more cities to take, more nations to unlock. I feel that prophetically, especially for you, Pastor Ted. There's more nations to unlock this year as we step out 
and we're pioneering it. It's not just true for us as a church. I know we just kind of had a little family meeting there. Because when we say the church, we're actually talking about you, me, the person next to you. I mean, if there's one thing we all learned in the pandemic, because the church is not a building, right? It's not a logo. You're the church. I'm the church. So if it's true for the church, it's true for us. It's true for your family, your business, your circle of friends. I'll just have keys. Keys is fine. Everybody else can chill. Your studies, your relationships. And I get it. Especially if you've been here for 20 years. There's been some hard times and you might be a little tired. You might be thinking, Phil, I just want to put in that in-ground pool sit on one of those little floating lounges and just float around the pool and just relax for a season. I get that. I understand. But here's the thing. There's always another mountain. Let's not be insular. There's a city out there. There's a city literally out there through those windows that needs Jesus and we are called to reach them. And I just think the Holy Ghost is looking out at this area saying, is there anybody that's got another gear? Is there anybody that can just pull out a little bit more? Because I reckon if we could just give a little bit more, something significant would happen. And I get it. You might think, well, Pastor Phil, that's great. It doesn't apply to me, though. Because, you know, I had a promise. It didn't happen. I'm here to tell you. Maybe that is your story. But a promise isn't there just because it hasn't happened yet. 45 years Caleb's friends are dying out. People are looking at him going, you're not even going to get to that mountain, let alone conquer that mountain. He turns 50. He turns 60. Just no way it's going to happen. Moses is starting to get older. People are talking about succession plans. Can't be you, Caleb. Can't be you. Cannot be you. But he holds on to it because he's just got that little voice that says, no, I want what God had promised me. Through Moses, I want what God had promised me. Gets to 70 years old. It still hasn't happened yet. Everybody would have thought, Caleb is mad. That's not a faith guy. That's a crazy guy. I mean, seriously, Caleb, you've been waiting 30 years. God hasn't done it in 30 years. In fact, most of your friends and family have now died out. You're not going to even make it to the promised land, let alone conquer the second mountain. Gets to 40 years. Gets to 45 years. Goes into the promised land. Takes the first part of the territory. Comes back to Joshua as an 85-year-old man. And says, I want what was promised to me. Even that. Can you imagine people? No one wanting to dishonor the man of God. But like, Caleb, you're 85. I mean, giants, they're young. And they're, you know, they've got big swords and a lot of hill climbing and but he's like no I want what's promised to me it doesn't actually matter what's in the natural what matters what's burned into my heart and Caleb goes out 85 years old and takes what God had promised him and he lived not just in a blessing but his children and his children's children inherited because he held Christ this prophetically. Some of you held on tight. It's been hard. But God
God has not forgotten his promises. The Bible says he's faithful and true. Faithful and true. We are going to walk into a season as a church where those prayers are going to start to get answered. How do I know? I've got faith like Caleb did. How do you know if you've got faith like Caleb did? Because you're still here. You're still hanging on. Some people probably think you're crazy, but you know you're not crazy. you just got the spirit of Caleb. you just got faith about you. Some of you are thinking, I don't even know how it's going to happen. You don't have to know. It's not your job. It's God's job. You just got to hold on. 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 I want to pray for two groups of people, and then we're going to eat. First group of people, I, 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 can never, I can never preach without giving people an opportunity to find Jesus. I'm not asking if you believe in Jesus. I mean, that's great. That's the start. But even the devil believes in Jesus, the Bible says. I'm asking is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. Lord means he's in charge. You'll do what he says. Savior means he forgives you for every single thing you've ever done. Maybe you hear you've never prayed that prayer. Or maybe you hear you have prayed that prayer. And the last few years, though, they've been pretty full on. And they've beaten that relationship out. It's not that you don't believe in Jesus. It's just that he's not really sitting on the throne of your heart anymore. Here's what I want to do. I want to get everyone to close your eyes. I'm just going to pray for two groups of people tonight, and then we're going to be done. If you're here and you're like, man, I need Jesus. I just need to hit the reset button at the start of 2024 to pioneer my relationship with Jesus again. Because that's the, that's the greatest win you could have this year. That's the greatest mountain that could be taken is the mountain of your heart. I'm not going to embarrass you. You stay there. I'll stay here. But I do want to pray for you. And just so I know who I'm praying for, if you're like, Phil, I need Jesus, either for the first time or the hundredth time, can I just get you to slip up your hand and I'll pray for you and you can put it down. Yep. Anybody? That's it. Put your hand up. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. Don't go out 99% sure. Go out knowing that you know. Thank you. Anybody else? Awesome. Thank you. I see that hand, bro. Anybody else? Awesome. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a pretty simple prayer. So repeat after me. At the end of that prayer, you'll be a Christian and what I preach today will be true for you and true for your life. And so you're not praying it on your own. I'm going to get all the Christians to repeat after me. You know what? Ready, Phil? There's a lot of Christians. You're not going to be on your own. Are you ready? Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, please come into my life. Lord and Savior, help me to follow you. Thank you.